This is a National Arts Center podcast. Find more great NAC podcasts on the performing arts at nacpodcast.ca or search on National Arts Center on iTunes and subscribe for free. Most music lovers will be aware of a sudden interest in Scottish subjects during the early part of the 19th century. Mendelssohn's Hebrides Overture and Scotch Symphony, Berlioz's Rob Roy and Waverley, Donizetti's Lucia de Lammermoor come to mind. For those whose knowledge of Scotland is limited to Rangers and Celtic, Bagpipes, Haggis and the Glasgow Kiss, it may come as a surprise to discover that Scottish culture has a long and distinguished history. St Andrews University was founded in 1413, the University of Glasgow in 1451, and the University of Edinburgh in 1583. In fact, Scotland has the oldest system of public education in Europe. The years of the 18th century Enlightenment in Europe usually make one think of Rousseau and Voltaire, but the Scottish contribution to Enlightenment thought was dominant in almost every field of study, whether philosophy, economics or science. Adam Smith and David Hume are perhaps the best-known Scots of that period, but there were many others. The two literary giants of the time were Walter Scott and Robert Burns, who wrote not just about Scottish subjects, but the universal themes of the common man. Burns, along with his literary contemporaries, was also interested in the development and preservation of Scottish culture and frequently set his own works to music, or else wrote songs to fit earlier melodies that had no words of their own. Scotland, like most other countries, has a long oral tradition. Some folk songs are very old and have obscure origins. Luckily, many of them have been rescued from oblivion and have become a part of the great international folk song tradition. It's well known that in the latter part of the 19th century, Bartok and Kodai, among others, were busy recording and collecting folk songs from all over Europe. What is perhaps less well known is that Haydn was doing the same a hundred years earlier. In the days of the Habsburg Empire, all roads led to Vienna. Haydn himself was of humble origins and grew up listening to folk songs. He was fond of gypsy melodies, as was Brahms later, and incorporated them into larger works. In addition, he arranged folk songs from places as far apart as Hungary, Croatia, and the British Isles. Beethoven's Pastoral Symphony is perhaps the best-known symphonic tribute to country life, with its peasant songs and dances. When Scottish music publishers were looking for a larger market for Scottish songs, or trying to find composers to set poems to music, they approached the leading European musicians of the day. Haydn and Beethoven both volunteered. Most songs, then as now, were designed to be sung at home with minimal accompaniment, usually just piano, but sometimes with a small chamber group. Here is an example of Haydn's work, the Scottish folk song Maggie Lauder, arranged for baritone with violin, cello and piano accompaniment. This is a rare recording featuring the German baritone Dietrich Fischer-Dieskau and his first wife Ermgard Poppen, who plays the cello.
along with Helmut Heller on violin and Carl Engel at the piano. Wer wäre nicht in sie verliebt, der Megiloder kennet? Ein Pfeifer sprach und weg sie an und fragt, wie sie sich nennet. Doch zornig gab sie an vor ihm, was er es war zu fragen. Fort rief sie Megiloder an, die Lumpen nichts zu sagen. Nun für wahr, mich freut es dich zu sehen. Sie zehrt zu mir, mein Vögelchen, es soll dir nichts geschehen. Der Pfeifer bin ich von Geschäft, man nennt mich Rot von Rielen. Die Mädchen sind vor Freude toll, wenn ich beginne zu spielen. So lass ich mir's gefallen, denn oft schon bist du mir genannt mit großem Lob von allen. Ist deine Sackpfeife denn in Stand, dass ich dich kenne lerne? So bring sie dir zu deinem Spiel, rühr meinen Fuß ich gerne. In this setting of the poem, attributed to Francis Semple, Haydn captures the jaunty aspect of Maggie, a bold Scottish lass, and her swain, a young piper. Despite the German text, the Scottish folk rhythms are immediately apparent, and the use of the violin lends a more authentic touch than would have been obvious with a simple piano accompaniment. The same instruments are used by Beethoven in his setting of O Kustlicher Zeit, based upon the poem O Sweet With The Hours by William Smythe. This song reminds me of the Kerry dance because of its nostalgic depiction of youthful revelry. The contrast between the refrain, Wein, 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 and the depiction of lost youth in the verses is most effective. The opening verse reads, O sweet were the hours when in mirth's frolic throng I led up the revels with dance and with song. When brisk from the fountain and bright as the day, my spirits o'erflowed and ran sparkling away. Wie 
A lot of Scottish and Irish songs evoke the sense of a lost Arcadia before land clearances and famines and subsequent mass emigrations to more welcoming shores. In fact, a large percentage of all folk songs depict either a specific activity native to the region in question or the separation of a loved one from such a region. That's why John McCormick was such a popular singer in the USA. He had a ready-made audience among the huge Irish population. Scottish traditions also live on all over the world, especially in Canada, 
down to the present day. Don't forget that Canada's first two Prime Ministers were born in Scotland. MacDonald was a lawyer, but Mackenzie was a stonemason, and some of his handiwork is still to be seen in parts of Ontario. One of the best known of all Scottish folk songs is Loch Lomond, which was first published in 1841. The origins of the song are obscure. It may have its roots in the rebellion of Bonnie Prince Charlie in 1745. In any case, the tone of the song is wistful remembrance of an iconic spot of great natural beauty that remains unspoiled even today. There have been many settings of this song. Everyone from Vaughan Williams to Benny Goodman has offered a version, but the simplest is often the best. Here is an eloquent but understated version of Loch Lomond, recorded by Canadian soprano Lois Marshall.
The Cockle Gatherer, first collected for publication around 1900, is an old song from the Hebrides that has its origins in the Gaelic tradition. Some of you may recall the song Cockles and Mussels Alive Alive O. This song, however, is cockle-specific and refers to an activity that is still common in the west of Scotland. One must presume that any mussels caught in the nets are thrown back. Here's Lois Marshall again. The most famous Scottish poet is, of course, Robert Burns. What sets him apart, especially from the later Romantic poets, is his use of the Scots vernacular. His themes are those of every man, written not only in the speech of every man, but in his own accent. These factors undoubtedly contribute to his universal appeal. The works of the English Romantic poets are full of classical and biblical references. In Burns, we find very few. He himself writes in his epistle to J. Laprake, Give me a spark of nature's fire, that's all the learning I desire. Then, though I drudge through dub and mire at plough or cart, my muse, though homely in attire, may touch the heart. It would be easy to suppose that Burns was anti-intellectual, but I think he was just anti-pseudo-intellectual. He lived a hard life as a farmer, as a sometime tax collector or exciseman, and as a poet who became famous but not rich. He could write a poem about a mouse or a louse and reveal the profundity of human nature. Easy to say, not so easy to do. Fortunately, there is a large discography of Burns' songs performed by a variety of great singers. Here is Isabel Bailey, a Scottish soprano who enjoyed a 50-year recording career, singing Coming Through the Rye. Coming through the rye, 
frequent partner of Isabel Bailey, both in oratorio and song recitals, was the much-beloved Kathleen Ferrier, whose career spanned only about ten years until her early death in 1953. She was the greatest Mahler singer of a generation and brings the expressiveness of Mahler songs to her many recordings of songs from the British Isles. Here she is singing Cor the Yows. The Yows of the title are Yous, and the poem is a dialogue between a young shepherd and his girl.
No discussion of Scottish folk songs would be complete without a contribution from Kenneth McKellar. His musical career was very similar to that of John McCormack, and like McCormack, he had an early career singing opera and oratorio. His Handel singing was particularly admired, and he recorded Messiah with John Sutherland. But he soon turned to the Scottish folk tradition and made hundreds of recordings. In fact, for 30-odd years, he was the voice of Scotland. Like McCormack, he was not immune to bouts of gratuitous sentimentality, but again, like McCormack, his voice remained even and well-produced and was always at the service of the song. It's difficult sometimes to understand what singers are actually singing about, especially when they are singing in dialect. McKellar's pronunciation of even the most obscure words is always clear. Burns's lyrics have had no better servant. Here he is singing Sweet Afton. Gently sweet afton, dear. 
Michaela's clear tenor is perfect for a song of this type, as it is in Ye Fond Kiss, another Burns song with a melody reminiscent of Handel at his most lyrical. kiss and then we sever Ford Maddox Ford's great novel, The Good Soldier, opens rather portentously with the words, This is the saddest story I ever heard. Yea, von Kiss must be one of the saddest songs of parting ever written. No wonder the girls loved Robbie. It's easy to forget, during a typical Robbie Burns night of recent hazy memory, that the inspiration for the haggis and the whiskey, the dashing white sergeant and the rest was one of the greatest poets of all time. Burns was himself a little over-fond of a drink, but when you read or listen to his poems and songs, you become aware of the celebration of humanity that Burns offered, not just in his poetry, but in his life. The best composers and arrangers always seem to find the best lyrics, and the best singers enjoy performing the songs of many nations. Perhaps if Schubert had been born in Scotland, 
he might have found his trout in a Scottish stream. Fortunately, it doesn't matter. There are streams enough to go around. Adam Smith's treatise on the wealth of nations doesn't include music, but Scotland's contribution to musical civilization stands up with the best. to one. 
This has been a National Arts Centre podcast produced in Ottawa by NAC New Media. Send us your comments and questions. Email us at nacpodcasts at gmail.com. Visit the podcast section of the iTunes store where you can rate and comment on this podcast. We love to hear from you. Remember, you can find more great NAC podcasts at necpodcast.ca or search on National Arts Centre on iTunes and subscribe for free. Until next time, goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre. Thank you.